الحمد لله وكفى وسلاما على عباده الذين استفى اما بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين امنوا اشد حبا لله سبحان ربك رب العزه اما يصفون وسلاما على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم most university students are often struggling with the concept of their identity and especially Muslims who live in the west have so many multiple identities sometimes for some of them they perceive them to be conflicting identities and therefore sometimes they lose perspective and they lose sight of their real identity which is their Quranic Islamic identity so what I want to do first is look at Quran al-Kareem and see how does Allah subhanahu wa describe what it means to be a human what is a human being in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa so even before we move to the question of iman our identity as a mu'min first let us see if we are actually fulfilling our identity as insan are we the way Allah subhanahu wa has defined and described a true proper noble pure human being to be so in quran Allah subhanahu wa says ya ayyuhan nas antum fuqara'u ilallah Although the original revelation, the original occasion, sabab and nuzul of this ayah was a very particular circumstance, but it's a principle of tafsir Quran that every single verse in Quran, its default standard position is what we call umum al-ma'na. It has a general wide meaning unless explicitly mentioned otherwise. And in fact, interestingly, this part of the verse was originally an answer to something in the Jews. But here Allah subhanahu wa doesn't address just the Jews. He says, Ya ayyuhan nas. So it means that he's taking that occasion to make a broader point, a general point, that, O humanity, O people, antum eat and every single one of you are what? You are faqir. You are muhtaj. You are needy and dependent on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does it mean? It means to be human is to need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's part of our very humanity. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put in the seed of every human being an absolute, utter, irreplaceable need for Him. And when did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do this? Well, He called every single human ruh. So before me and you were born in this world, Allah ta'ala created our ruh, our spiritual self and Allah Ta'ala gathered all of the arwah or all of the ruz in one massive gathering so you can imagine there are two times human beings have been gathered one will be in the future that's yom al-hashr in that they will be gathered body and soul before that they were gathered just in ruh that is called yom al-alast Allah Ta'ala mentions that in Quran he gathered all of the arwah and he asked them a question alastu bi rabbikum that am I not your rabb and all of the human spiritual selves, they were looking at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. bala. In Quran, their answer is mentioned that each and every one of them, they said together, 
Bala, yes, Allah Ta'ala, we affirm that indeed you are our Rabb. So then Allah Ta'ala then put the process of putting people on earth, and on earth every person will be tested as to whether they fulfill that promise. Do they live their life on earth as if Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is their Rabb? Or do they follow their own desires, their own wishes, or follow something else? For example, Allah says in Quran, doesn't mean the person is literally worshipping. Nobody actually, no Muslim actually believes, certainly, that their wishes are a God. But Allah SWT used this manner of expression to say that if you follow your wishes and your pleasure and your will, if you follow that, instead of following Allah SWT's book of His command, it's as if you have made your own hawa, your own wishes, your own will, your own pleasure, and ilah, a God. That is what the ulama tafsir they used to call it shirki khafi. As opposed to shirki jali. Shirki jali means outright, outward, apparent shirk to worship fire, to worship an idol. And this is hidden inner shirk. To believe that our wishes are more important than Allah's Taala's wishes. That's why in Arabic, or sorry in English, they have the saying that your wish is my command. Right? And they got it half right. The believer, the relationship with Allah subhanahu wa is what? That your wish is my command and your command is my wish. Yes. That's what it means to completely give yourself up to Allah subhanahu wa Your wish is my command and your command is my wish. I have no wishes except for your commands. And there's nothing I view as obligatory upon me, no command over me except for what you wish. So this is what it means to be human, to be fakir. Now we have to see, do we have that feeling of humanity inside of ourselves? How many of us really feel this need for Allah SWT? How many of us every day we wake up feeling that we need Allah SWT? How many of us throughout the day feel a burning need for Allah SWT? And if we don't feel that need, it means we're losing our humanity. So we say it again, what is Allah SWT saying in Quran in simple English? To be human is to need Allah SWT. So let's look at our needs. Most people today, what are their needs? The dunya. So I need a job. I need a degree. I need a job. I need a career. I need a spouse. I need children. I need a house. I need a car. I need a promotion. I need a raise. I need a bonus. Hmm? Nothing that's wrong. If, if it's within the halal of the dunya, that's fine. But is it reached the level of need? Then where does that person, does that person also say, I need taqwa, I need haya, I need ikhlas, I need sabr, I need shukr, I need tawakkul, I need adab, I need akhlaq. And if their heart doesn't feel those needs, then we have to be honest with ourselves, right? If our heart doesn't feel those needs, but our heart feels the other needs, so what does it mean? It means that we prefer dunya over Allah subhanahu wa Even to prefer the halal dunya, the jaiz mubah, the licit permissible dunya, over Allah subhanahu wa that's not allowed in Islam. That's why Sayyidina Rasulullah, what did he say? Hubbud dunya That love for the world is going to be the source of all sin. Studying, not a problem. Earning, working, not a problem. Acquiring, attaining, achieving, accomplishing the world, that's not a problem. Loving the world is a problem.
How do you know you love something? That's human nature. Whatever you love, you will feel that you need it. Whatever you love, you will want it. Whatever you love, you will yearn for it. Whatever you love, you will always be thinking about it. Whatever you love, you will dream about it, daydream about it. So if all of our emotions and needs are focused on dunya, it means we have love for dunya in our heart. And we don't have love for Allah spot in our heart. Another way I'll give you an example is that most university students are trained that you should be the best that you can be. The best. And so we want the best degree from the best possible university that we can go to. Then we want the best internship. Then we want the best job. Then we want to live in the best country. Then in that country we want to live in the best city. Then in that city we want to live in the best neighborhood that we possibly can. Then in that best neighborhood we want the best home that we can. We want the best car that we can have. We want the best husband, the best wife, then we the children. We want the best school that we can have for them. We want the best education for them. Right? Again, that in of itself is not a problem as long as it's been the halal of the dunya. But how come we don't also feel that we want the best in our deen? How many young men and women think like that, that today I want to have the best possible taqwa that I can have? I want the best haya that I can have. I want to pray the best salah possible. I want to make the best dua possible. I want to recite the best Qur'an. I want to have my best recitation of Qur'an possible. Nobody thinks like that. It's not even on our wish list. It's not on our to-do list. It's not even on our horizon. It's not even remotely part of our thoughts. So it means that we're not balanced, right? We want the absolute best. And what do we want in the world? We want the least. Yes? Uh, so what do we want in the deen? We want the least. You know, I first started speaking to university students in 19... Probably the very first time was 1994 at the University of Chicago. But otherwise, 1996, New York University. So it's been about 16, 18 years. I can tell you 95% of university students when they come to me and ask a question. And easily, because when I taught it, when I taught at university for six years, I taught thousands of students. So I can let us say thousands of people have spoken to me. 90% of them wanted to know how to make the most out of the dunya. And 90% of them would ask me how to get by on the least thing. When it comes to dunya, they wanted the best and they wanted the most. And when it comes to deen, they wanted the least and they wanted the easiest. Can you show me the easiest way to do that? What's the least I have to do to please Allah SWT? Allah Akbar. That's not balance. That if every single thing in our life, we want to do the best and do the most, only one area of our life which is called deen, we want to do the least and the easiest. We don't look for ease and convenience in the world. We're willing to do hard work. Right? Can you go to a job interview and say, that, oh, young man, why are you here? Because I thought your company was the easiest to work in. Could you say that? <laughs> You'd be kicked out immediately. Hmm? Why are you interested in this university? Well, it was convenient. I like convenience. That's what I wrote in my application essay. That I wanted ease and convenience. But when it comes to our deen, this is what we think. And you should remember Sayyidina Rasulullah, he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, hadith, 
الدينو يسرن is it different from saying al yusrudin is the difference al yusrudin would mean that everything that is easy that will somehow become deen that's not what sayyidina rasulullah said he said deen is easy for who lil muttaqin lil mu'minin when that person has the feelings in their heart of love for allah subhanahu deen becomes easy it doesn't mean that our heart doesn't have those feelings of iman our heart is not according to quran and therefore we make the deen easy for ourselves or another hadith that people misunderstand that Sayyidina Rasulullah it reported about the Prophet that whenever there were two matters, he would pick the easiest of the two. Always remember that ease was not the dalil. Ease was not the basis for those two things being permissible in Sharia. Those things were permissible in Sharia on their own merit. And then after them being perfectly legitimate and valid, then the Prophet would pick the one that had the most benefit. Or the most ease. Being easy doesn't make it into Sharia. But what we do today is if we see something's easy, we think, oh, that must be deen. <laughs> so how is it that we become like this? That in the dunya, we want the most and the best. And in deen, we want the least and the easiest. In the dunya, we want to work our hardest. And for the deen, we want to work littlest. But that's not balance. Yes, if a person can tell me that I work hard in my dunya and hard in my deen, I want the best in my university and I want the best in my deen, I say, okay, good, you're balanced. That's good. So, this basically love of dunya, what we call materialism, and always being so concerned with the material things, that is what has kept us away from becoming the truly needy, ultimately needy of Allah SWT. So the first thing we have to do is restore our identity that we are fakir. Second word Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has used Quran to describe the human identity. That I did not, Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, I did not create humanity or jinn except for ubudiyah and ibadah. They're both mentioned here. Both meanings are to be taken here. What does that mean? That to be human is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To be human is to be a slave of Allah SWT. Now in this world, there is no longer slavery. And Deen of Islam also, in many, many ways, made many efforts to end slavery. But Allah SWT did use that word in Quran of slave for a reason. And that is because when you have a master and a slave, the slave gives everything up to the master. They view themselves that they're sold. Even Allah used that same metaphor in Quran. That he has purchased from the believers their own properties, their own selves. In exchange for Jannah. So we are sold slaves of Allah SWT. Another way to understand this. Ubudiyya means servitude and subordination and submission. It's all words in English. You need many, many words, right? Like if you give one pound, you will get a hundred something rupees. So if you give one Arabic word, you get about a hundred English words. <laughs> because English is a poor language, and Arabic is a rich language, right? So ubudiyah means servitude, subordination, slavehood, submission, many things. So let's look at the physical world around us. Allah subhanahu has made this entire physical world subordinate to us. Everything. People control steel, they can fly in the air. They control steel, they can make ships and cars, 
they control plastic, they control wood, they control so many things. They have dominion over everything. They're animals that are much larger and stronger than us. They're subordinate to us. <laughs> Otherwise, if might was right, if it was purely Darwinian survival of the fittest, then the lions and elephants are much more fit than us. They should be ruling this planet. Right? No, Allah Ta'ala made every single thing. Every material and animal species subordinate to humanity. So let's take example of one or two animals that human beings have a lot of attraction with. So let's take, for example, a dog. So, for example, if somebody keeps a guard dog, then hifadha, that's permissible in the sun. Right? So you have a guard dog. And what does that dog do? That dog is up all night long guarding your house. And in the morning, when it comes to you, you just toss it a few scraps, a few bones. If it's still very hungry, because for so many days you've been just giving it scraps, it tries to come a bit close to your food, you take your shoe and you beat it. When you take your shoe and beat it, does the dog run away? No way. <laughs> it's your loyal slave. <laughs> it's subordinate to you. It just goes away in a corner. After being up all night, if you had to work all night, you would come home and tell your family if you're married, they have to prepare the bed for you and everybody should be quiet for you. Hmm? The dog was up all night. No arrangement for him. Just go lie down under some tree. And the dog will loyally, faithfully serve his master every single night of his life. Look at another animal, the horse. Allah Ta'ala has made the horse subservient and subordinate to human beings. So if the person is riding their horse and the horse gets a nail in their hoof, the horse cannot look back and tell the rider that I need a rest stop. <laughs> can we get off at the next stop and I can get my foot taken care of? No. If the horse slows down because it's injured, the rider will take a stick and beat the horse. <laughs> when the rider wants to stop for food and drink, he may even totally forget to put any grass or fodder or something for the horse. He may not even put clean water for the horse. While he is busy eating and drinking, the horse will go and drink some dirty gutter sewer water. And then the rider will come back fresh and rested and it will make the horse go fast again. If in our part, traditional part of the Muslim world, if the horse is carrying a cart, so somebody will come and sit in the cart and tell the rider that I'm running late. If you get me to the train station in time, I'll give you double money. So what's the rider going to do? Beating the stick on the horse? The horse cannot look back and say, it's not my fault that he's running late. No. <laughs> Absolutely subordinate and subservient. And the greatest example of the horse is the horse of that mujahid. That the mujahid rides his horse into the face of the spears and the arrows. The horse cannot say anything. That the spear is at my level is going to hit me first. The arrows are coming down on me. You have a shield. I have no shield. No. The horse will loyally, faithfully serve its master, even if it means going right into the jaws of death. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us these examples. Why? So that we would become as subordinate and subservient and submissive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Allah Ta'ala has made these other creatures subordinate to us. We were supposed to be an abd 
was the first meaning. Second meaning was ibadah, right? First meaning was ubudiyah. To be human is to be a slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning of ibadah, to be human is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So praying fajr every day is part of our humanity. It's not part of our taqwa. Taqwa is other things. <laughs> Let's start with the basics. It's part of our humanity. So if we are not worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it means we're losing our humanity. It's not like we're losing some extra credit or some extra thing. We're losing our very humanity itself. So now then comes the question that how can we become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If we have this distance, how can we, in addition to becoming His Fakir and His Abd, also get the feelings of Iman in our heart? So the first thing for the university student is they have to increase in their knowledge. You need to increase in your ilm. Because what happens is that when your ilm of dunya is here, and your ilm of deen is here, this gap, this gap makes you pray to shaitan. This gap makes you pray to your nafs. This is an intolerable gap. It's not sustainable. It will affect you. It will dampen you. It will weaken you. Does it mean you have to become, everybody has to be a scholar of Islam? In fact, I will tell you, it's not possible if you want to be an engineer or a doctor, unless you decide to spend another 5-10 years of your life pursuing a second branch of knowledge, you won't be able to be a scholar along with the university studies. But that's not the type of knowledge I'm talking about. What type of knowledge? So let's say you should try to get that knowledge that will put feelings in your heart. That's the most important knowledge of Islam. You see, there are wordings of Qur'an, there are meanings of Qur'an, and there are the feelings of Qur'an. If you know the words, it's not enough. If you know the words and meanings, but you don't feel the feelings, it's not enough. So translation of Qur'an is not enough. I'll give an example. All of you, if you're not Arab, you know the translation of Surah Al-Fatiha. You know what it means, right? But most people still say, I'm not able to have any feelings in prayer. What does it mean? You have know the words, you know the meanings, but you still can't feel any feelings. That means just the words and the meanings aren't enough. Sayyidina Rasulullah Allah Ta'ala mentions in Quran that he was sent for a number of reasons. Number one, to recite to them the verses of revelation. Now remember, Sahaba are Arab, and the Prophet is Arab, and it's Quran and Arabiya. The Quran is in Arabic. So simply knowing Arabic would be sufficient to understand Quran. That would have been it. That's not what the Allah Ta'ala said in Quran. Second function, You're going to have to purify them. Why? Because Allah Ta'ala says in the beginning of Quran, this book Quran is Hudan lil muttaqeen. Who is going to get hidayah from Quran? It's not just Arabic. You have to have taqwa. In order to get taqwa, you need your tazkiyah, you need to be purified. And then the third thing, وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابِ that the Prophet will have to teach them the book. So if Arab Sahaba, listening to Arabic recitation of Qur'an, from Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam, if for them just the Arabic is not enough to understand Qur'an, they need the Qur'an to be formally taught. They need ta'alim al-kitab. Then for a person who just reads English or Urdu translation, 
How in the world could that ever be enough? It won't be enough. Because it's not just about the words, and it's just about the meanings, it's about the feelings. You learn how to feel Qur'an. That's the most important knowledge. That's why Allah Ta'ala said in Qur'an to the people who don't have knowledge, what did He tell them? فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ So, إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ It means that if you don't have ilm, if you don't have knowledge, so what you should do? Allah Ta'ala could have said, فَقْرَأُوا الْقُرْآنَ Could have said that. Didn't? He said, فَاسْأَلُوا You'll have to go ask. Not read, reflect, think on your own. You'll have to go ask. If you don't have knowledge, you will have to go ask. Okay, who should we ask? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should have said, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الْإِلْمِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ They would have been muafakat in that. Ask the people of knowledge if you don't have knowledge. No. Allah Ta'ala said in the Quran, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الْذِكْرِ Ask the people of remembrance, people of Nasiha, people who are mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Allah Ta'ala was giving us a lesson that whenever you want knowledge, you don't want knowledge for knowledge's sake. You want ilm to do amal. The reason you want ilm is so that you can do amal on that ilm and have ikhlas in that amal. So then you should get your ilm from somebody who is doing amal on that ilm and has ikhlas in their amal. That's not just information, and transmission, exchange of views. No. Our deen, the whole purpose in our deen about knowledge is to get the feelings. All purposes to get the feelings. So we have to increase in the knowledge that will bring us to the feelings of Quran. So that knowledge of Quran, that will give us the feelings of Quran. So just to give you a couple of examples. For example, number one, that knowledge of Quran that will give you feelings is the knowledge about Allah SWT. How Allah Ta'ala has revealed Himself to be. So for example, Allah says in Qur'an, لِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى فَدْبُوهُ بِهَا That to Allah SWT belong the infinitely beautiful names. And you should make dua to Allah Ta'ala using those names. Now most of us don't even know those names, don't even know the words of those names. Then again, many of us may not know the meanings even of the words that we know. And then again, we don't know how to feel the feelings of those names that we know. And again, Allah Ta'ala said in Qur'an that you're going to have to ask, Ar-Rahman fas'al bihi khabira. Allah Ta'ala says in Qur'an, Ar-Rahman, He declares Himself that He is the infinitely merciful one. If you want to know how that should make you feel, Allah Ta'ala says in Qur'an, fas'al, you should go ask bihi khabir. That person who is aware of what it means, that Allah Ta'ala is merciful. So it means these feelings have to be learned. We have to inquire from the people who feel the feelings and try to get those feelings in our heart. Then we'll become a person of feeling. Another knowledge of Quran that will put feelings is all those verses where Allah Subhanahu describes His relationship with His ibad. For example, فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ For example, هُوَ مَعَكُمْ أَيْنَ مَا كُنْتُمْ For example, نَحْنُ أَكْرُبُهُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ حَبْلُ الْمُرِيدٌ For example, يُحِبُّهُمْ وَيُحِبُّونَهُ so these verses you should know, not just what they mean, but you should feel it. All day, 24-7, you should be feeling the meanings of these verses. That's the knowledge that we need to bring ourselves closer to Allah subhanahu wa Second thing, so first was knowledge of Qur'an, and specifically 
the knowledge of Quran that will increase our feelings for Allah subhanahu Second thing is our amal on the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah The more that we follow the sunnah, the more we will become close to Allah subhanahu And the less we follow the sunnah, the less we will be close to Allah subhanahu Allah ta'ala has made a rule in Quran. قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ But O oh my beloved Messenger say to them, that if you claim that you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, maybe you want to try to love Allah ta'ala directly. Maybe you think you have your own personal relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You think you have your own way of loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah ta'ala makes it clear in Quran that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that being. That you do not come to Him on your terms, you come to Him on His terms. And He lays out His terms in Quran. In kuntum Allah. If you claim to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَاتْتَبِعُونِي You must do ittiba of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You must follow his sunnah. Allah ta'ala laid out the terms. There's only one path that leads to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is called the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Okay, now let's say a person says, Okay, Allah I wanted to be your lover. You told me to adopt the path of sunnah. I adopt the path of sunnah. Now do you accept me as your lover? What does Allah Ta'ala continue to say in Qur'an? Yuhbibkumullah Not only are you the lover, now you have become beloved. <laughs> Yuhbibkumullah Allah Ta'ala will love you. وَيَغْفِرْلُكُمْ ذُنُوبُكُمْ And Allah will forgive you for all of your sins. So the person wanted to be lover. <laughs> and Allah Ta'ala told him, you can't be lover without the sunnah. So because the person was sincere, they really wanted to be a lover. They said, okay, I follow the sunnah. Then Allah Ta'ala said that by following the sunnah, not only will you become lover, you will become beloved. That's the reason why Sayyidina Rasulullah was sent to this earth to teach humanity how to become the beloved of Allah SWT. That's the whole reason we exist, is to try and try and try and spend our whole life trying, even if we ultimately die trying, to become the beloved of Allah SWT. There's no other purpose for existence. All these other things are incidental along the way. Incidental. So the second thing we have to do to get closer to Allah SWT is to get closer, closer to the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Whether that is his outer sunnah, his inner sunnah, his sunnah adab and akhlaq, his sunnah kifiyat means his sunnah feelings for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To try to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the way the Prophet loved him. To try to have tawakkul Allah the way the Prophet had tawakkul. To try to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the way Sayyidina Rasulullah feared him. That's also part of sunnah. Third way that we can become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we're going to mention five ways for tonight, for today. Third way to become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is dhikr. Yes. Dhikr is not some Sufi theory. Dhikr is in Quran. Ya ayyuhalladheena amunu dhkurullaha dhikran kathira. O you who believe, alladheena amunu. You must make a lot of dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every one of us has to do amal on this verse. Now, there may be different ways to do amal on it inside Sharia. That's a separate thing. But you have to do amal on it. 
you have to be a person of dhikr kathir because it's in Quran and all of us are ahli Quran all of us are people who believe and follow and must submit to Quran you must find some way that is within Sharia to do amal on this verse and if you don't if you don't become a person of dhikr kathir and Allah Ta'ala has mentioned this for women as well Yes, every woman should want to be amongst the dhakirat. Every man should be want to be amongst the dhakirin. You have to find a way to do it. Because it's part of our deen. It's part of Quran al-Kareem. It's very simple to understand that the more and more you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more you will be close to Him. And the less you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the less you will be close to Him. And even less you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you will fall into sin. Because whenever a person sins, you ask them, that, oh, when you sin, were you remembering Allah? And they say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I completely forgot Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that moment. And it's because they forgot Allah, they forgot that they were Abdullah. Yes? And if they were remembering Allah ta'ala at that moment, then they would remember they were Abdullah and they wouldn't have done that sin. That's what Allah ta'ala says in one eye of Quran. That shaitan, what does he try to do? He makes, he tries to make a person forget the zikr of Allah. That's shaitan's attack. To make them forget the zikr of Allah. Not to make them a kafir. He can't do that. He can't make a person an atheist. But he makes the believer forget their Allah. Once they forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it's as easy as pie for him to get them to do so. So we have to become people of zikr. The more we remember Allah, the more we will love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fourth thing is suhbah. Ya ayyuhalladheena amunattakullaha wa kunu ma'asadikeen. That all you who believe, you must fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you must join your being with those who are more true to Allah than you. To put it another way, one way to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to get closer to those who are closer than us to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one way to get distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to get closer to those who are distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you spend your time with a friend who doesn't pray, you will find yourself getting more distant from prayer. And if you spend your time with a friend who is closer in taqwa, more regular in prayers, steadfast in their prayers, she always prays no matter what, irrespective of the class timings, irrespective of the she will arrange your shopping times around that. Then, because they are closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you get closer to them, you will definitely get closer. And the proof of this is in the Sahih Hadith. Khair, you don't need to prove anything that's in Quran, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, but further, on this in the Sahih Hadith, Sayyidina Sallallahu Alaihi said, Al-Mar'u ala deeni khaliri, that a person will end up on the deen of whoever they make their close and intimate companion. This could work against you if you choose to make your khalil somebody who is distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this could work in your favor if you choose to make your khalil close and intimate friend and companion somebody who is closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The fifth and final thing, fifth way to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the first was to increase in our knowledge of Quran that leads to feelings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Second was to increase in our amal of sunnah on sunnah. Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu Third was to increase in our zikr remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fourth was to spend company and time and associate with those who are trying or are closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
And the fifth thing is what we call talab. We have to ignite in our heart a yearning for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Very simple. And this is the step that one could even take right now in one talk. And that is that you have to start wanting Allah. If you start wanting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala will start wanting you. If you stop wanting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala will keep wanting you. But if you keep stopping wanting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you are in danger that one day Allah ta'ala will stop wanting you. It's up to us. And that's the real tragedy. It's not that we don't do all these things. It's that we don't even want to do them. The real tragedy is not that the young man and woman don't pray the hajjad. It's that they don't even want to. It's not even their aspiration. It's not even on their wish list. So if we don't even want it, how in the world are we going to get it? So the beginning of the journey in our deen is niyya. Niyya means intention. Niyya means that you want it. Right? You have irada. And if you want it, then you'll be able to work for it. And then if you want it, and you work for it, and you pray for it, if you do these three things, you will get anything and everything you want in need. You want to pray Fajr every day. You have to want it. You have to work for it. And you have to pray to Allah Ta'ala for it. If you do these three and keep doing them, not just once, but you keep doing it, you will get every single thing, every single thing in deen is such that if you want it, work for it, and pray for it, you will get it. So then, finally, this, if we do these things, then not only we will we restore our human identity of being fakir and abd, we will also get our imani identity. And what is the identity of a mu'min? وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ Allah Ta'ala says in Quran that indeed the person of iman is intensely, extreme, extremely intense in their love for Allah Subhanahu wa If we were to do these five things, our heart would increase in our love for Allah Subhanahu love for Quran, love for Deen Islam, love for Nabi Salam, love for His Sunnah, love for all of the people Allah Taala taught us in Surah Fatiha to love means love for Allah Anamta Alehim means love for the Nabiin, love for the Siddiqin love for the shuhada and love for the salihin as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Quran al-Kareem alladhina an'amallahu minan nabiyyina wa siddiqina wa shuhada'i wa salihin and once we get all of these feelings in our heart then we will have the real identity of a mu'min that we will become the lover of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we will become the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may Allah ta'ala accept each and every one of us to become closer to him truer to him more loyal to Him, more loving to Him, more devout to Him, more devoted to Him, more submissive to Him, more subservient to Him, more worshipful of Him. May He put all of these attributes of Iman, all of the sifat of Iman that He mentioned in the Quran, may He put all of them in our hearts. وَآخِرَ دَعْوَانَا أَنِلْحَمْدُلِلَّهِ وعلى آل سيدنا محمد ومبارك وسلم ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكوننا من الخاصرين ربك فر وارحم وأنت خير الراحمين 
Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, You are most kind and generous Rabb. You give us each and every ni'mah of Islam, the gift of Qur'an, the gift of the Sunnah of Nabi alayhi salam, zalamna anfusana. Ya Allah, we wronged our own selves. We allowed ourselves to become distant from you. We allowed ourselves to become ghafil in our deen. Ya Allah, we are making tawbah to you on this day. We want to be amongst your true mu'mineen. Ya Allah, we ask that you put the nur of iman in our heart. Send the nur of your hidayah on our heart. Ya Allah, strengthen our iman. Make firm our iman. Increase us in our taqwa. Increase us in our haya. Increase us in our ikhlas. Increase us in our sidq. Increase us in our ibadah. Increase us in our ubudiyah. Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant all of the women present today the haya of Sayyidatina Maryam radiallahu ta'ala anha. Grant all the men present the haya of Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you do hifadah of our iman, that you preserve and protect our iman, that you guide us in how to nourish and strengthen our iman. Ya Allah, we ask that you protect us from all of the fitnas and fasad of today, all of the false philosophies and ideologies of today. Ya Allah, we ask that you make us according to the teachings of Qur'an, according to the teachings of Fatiha to Qur'an. Ya Allah, we ask that you increase us in our love for you, our love for Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam, our love for all of the Nabiyeen, our love for all of the Siddiqeen, our love for all of the Shuhada, our love for all of the Salihin, all of the Mufassireen, Muhaddithin, Fuqaha, Usuliyeen, Ulama, Sulaha, Awliya, Ikamileen, Ya Allah, Ya Arhamar Rahimeen, Rabbana Takabal Minna, Innaka Anta Samir Adeem, Utubu Alayna, Innaka Anta Tawab Rahim, وصلى الله تعالى على حبيبه سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين